Hey, do you like really cool, like, William Shakespeare knockoff stories? Well, tough shit, we're reviewing She Lies with Angels. Hey, welcome to Divisive Issues, a comic book podcast where we look at controversial and just really, really weird issues that have happened in comics. Um, I'm Joe Ciano. I'm Sly Crapple. And I'm Ryan Lynch. All right, and we'd like to welcome you back to a um, another episode. Um, if this is your first, um, you've picked a doozy because we're reviewing "She Lies with Angels" by Chuck Austin with art by Salvador uh, Larocca. Beats me. All right, there we go. That'll have to do. I'd right. like to think this is what the comic shop owner said when he when you picked up these issues. <laughs> well, you picked a doozy. You. <laughs> Which she likes with angels. What are you doing? I've gotten that before. I got that for a uh, when I bought Ultimatum and Ultimates Three. And the shop owner said, "I feel bad for selling this to you." So he wants to do opening thoughts. Uh, Sly. I didn't like it. <laughs> Why didn't you like it, Sly? Well, yeah. well, we're going into who should who would you recommend this book to before uh, we get into spoilers? No one. Okay. High praise from High Sly praise. <laughs> A man of few words. <laughs> I honestly don't know what to say about this one because uh, when I, I actually I liked the ending, but when I read most of it, I was like, "This is really this is really terrible." Then it became okay, and now I'm not angry about it anymore. But I still can't recommend <laughs> it. I actually feel the total opposite. I think it started out fine, kind of regular, and I really hated the end. The last couple issues were just ridiculous. I don't really. I wouldn't really recommend this to anyone either. It doesn't really matter to the characters at all. I don't. I it matters to the Goofries, I guess. I guess. Is it, I, but it's you not the, even the, the Goofries. I I do not pronounce their fucking names. <laughs> <laughs> we the say goo. the Guthrie. The Goofries. <laughs> we see them Guffer boys. We'll we'll get south. into a lot of detail about the Guthrie soon. <laughs> can we call them Goofries? Because I like it. Okay. Yeah, you <laughs> can. You can. I'm gonna keep calling the Guthrie's. I thought you said the Goofreeds. <laughs> And I was like, it's not a so bad, it's good. It's kind of just like, if you're really, really into Romeo and Juliet and like homages, I guess. But there are much better. Like, just go watch West Side Story instead. Yeah. But this is really kind of, this is like the West Side Story of the X-Men, though. This is, these are oh two star-crossed lovers. It's like if West Side Story was super racist and prejudiced against everybody. <laughs> it's, it's like if West Side Story had mechs in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, West Side Story with mechs. She likes to think. So it's actually an improvement in a sense. Once you're a mech, you're a mech all the way, right, guys? <laughs> do, 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 From your first do, loader do, bot do, do, to your last dying day. All right. Um, I, I thought this was okay. Um, certainly wasn't good. No one was damaged. Of all the characters in this, like all the main X characters, no one was really damaged by this. And no one's really invested in the Goofies enough to care about their extended family. Yeah. Um, that's how I felt. I was kind of like, this was just, you know, it's there. Um, I don't really think it succeeds at what it's trying to do, which is to be like a modern Romeo and Juliet type story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it kind of falls short in that regard. Um, I think there are a lot of really cool moments that I actually really, really liked. I didn't um, catch any of those. <laughs> oh, well, I'll gladly go over them. Um, so the art, I would like to talk a little bit about the talk art. About it's the Salvador Larocca, who okay. has, he's done a lot of X-Men work, actually. He did uh, a terrible story with Peter Milligan, if you remember Blood of Apocalypse. (laughs) 
he he's he's popped in and out of the X Men. He for... does the, ex- the uh, extreme X Men stories. With yeah, Colin. I've read a and bunch. That, of... that was actually the name of the team. It wasn't just the name of the book. They were called the Extreme X Men. They called themselves and of course X hyphen Treme or whatever. <laughs> Treme. Yeah. So I mean, Salvador Salvador Laraca definitely uh, has. A place in the X Men canon as, he does. as one of the staple artists of the early two thousands, and uh, I I'm a fan of his art. I love his art in Fractions mm-hmm. Iron Man. He he also does an amazing book with Warren Ellis called New Universal that's super realistic. Mm-hmm. And I I felt his art here. This is early in his career. You said right, early ish. Early ish. So I felt his art was not as refined mm-hmm. as it does get later. It was Salvador LaRocca for sure, but there yeah. is a lot of Marvel House style at His the style time. is different. It's a much more LaRocca style that you would recognize. I almost feel mm-hmm. like he softens his work. In yeah, this for I the think story. softens is definitely the, the way to go. I actually like the soft, soft LaRocca approach. The only problem I have with the art in the story is the coloring. It's in the weird place. There was a weird transition when coloring got more advanced from the old, uh, cheap coloring yeah. process. And... As they made that transition, they had they had a lot of needless texture work, not a lot of needless shadows that distract from soft lines. And you can see like the grass, mm-hmm. like Laraka draws simple grass, and the colorist just puts a grass texture on it. It looks ugly yeah. as hell. Yeah, really bad work by Udon. What the hell is Udon? The colorist. <laughs> For the record, a lot of comic coloring they will kind of a. Um third party out to seemingly like studios. That I've seen a lot of hi-fi color. Yeah, hi-fi color. Kind of I, I, I feel like, I didn't research, but they I can't imagine someone's name is just Udon. I don't know. Cher. So, he's Brazilian. It's like, it's like, you know, like like Pele or Ronaldo. Are those know? are those sportsmen? Yes. Or Hulk. <laughs> Hulk. Hulk. Hulk smash. Yeah, Hulk. He's, he's <laughs> his no, full name. He's Brazilian talking name Hulk. Maybe you want to superhero. Yeah. Maybe he's superhero. We also have a person named Neymar. It's pretty great. I, I think you're just talking about the Defenders, Joe. No. <laughs> it's not a sports team. As far as the writing goes, frame this in context. Who is Chuck Austin? Chuck Austin. Um, now, Pete. my only exposure to Chuck okay. Austin is his Ultimate X-Men story, which okay. is great. His Exiles arc, which is great. And he's the executive producer of Steven Universe, which is the best show. <laughs> so tell me why... We got this Chuck Austin and not the Chuck Austin I know. Uh, Chuck Austin was told by Marvel when he took on Uncanny X-Men. They're like, write, so- write soapy, Chuck. Like, you know, write soapy-ish type stories, uh, which he does. Succeeds um, at that. He <laughs> he really goes oh, all it he is, commits. He it commits is soapy. to writing soapy. Uh, he does a really weird uh, romance with Havoc and the school nurse. Havoc is uh, Cyclops' brother. Cyclops' brother. He's not in this story at he all. He is not in this story. <laughs> uh, the characters that I think I like the most in his run are not featured in this story. And uh, who's, who would that be, Joe? Uh, well, obviously, Havoc is missing from this ice. No Iceman, no North Star, and no Juggernaut, which I, I think worked out better and is why I didn't <laughs> buy this book when I was reading it in seventh grade. Like, Juggernaut's in this? Oh, this is a skip. So this came out when? Like, 2002-ish? Uh, 2002-2003. Okay. Around time of uh, Graham Morrison's new X-Men. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about uh, Chuck Austin, by the way. I just found this out uh, looking it up, him up just uh, the other day. Apparently, he started his career drawing Miracle Man on Alan Moore's run. Drawing? Yeah. Wow. wow. I did not know that. Yeah, and for those who don't know, Miracle Man by Alan Moore. Alan Moore is the creator of Watchmen, V for Vendetta, and a bunch of other famous comic books. And Miracle Man was one of his first books to really set up 
uh, the modern comic book era, the more darker kind of stories you see more often nowadays. Yep, and this is none of that. So it seems like going into and after this run, Chuck Austin's pretty well-received. But this run is kind of hated, right? Um, it is despised. It's not hated. It is despised yeah. one of the worst X-Men runs. Um, I think maybe a little bit unfairly. I think he has a lot of really nice moments in it, a lot of really great character work with a... Um, definitely, I, I really enjoyed his North Star. Um, we know, if you, for those of you who don't know, I love Juggernaut a lot. <laughs> um, and I think that some of his best character work is in his run. Um, what I, but there's a I lot like of poorly tell, re- there's a lot of poorly received stuff. I'd in this like to run tell a well. short anecdote. <laughs> One time I asked Joe, Joe, why is the Juggernaut your favorite character? And he said, "Cause he's big, strong, and awesome, just like me." <laughs> it's true, I guess. and it is true. There you go. He has been hailed as the better third of divisive <laughs> issues on his own Twitter account. Juggernaut or me? You. Okay. <laughs> Juggernaut 2. And Juggernaut's <laughs> also the better third of this. Okay, so we've teased enough. Let's get into this. Let's story. get right she into this story. with Angels. It's a five-issue yes, story. Five-issue story. Um, what is the numbering? What issues are those? This is uh, Uncanny 437 to 441. Okay. So here we go. I mean, it opens simple enough. Um, we're in uh, Cumberland, Connecticut. Can I come, can, we're in Cumberland, Kentucky. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> Considering this whole story is like, hey guys, Kentucky. Hey guys, Kentucky. Um, okay, what? God, I even forgot their names. What are they? Blah blah. Jeb. Blah. Jeb. Not Bush, just Jeb. But just they Jeb. do when they say Jeb, it has an exclamation point at the end. Okay, so let's go. I think we do need a little bit of backstory on the Guthries. Okay. In the eighties, there was a, a team of new mutants called the New Mutants. Very original name. Yeah. And it was when the X-Men were gone, presumed dead, Professor X made a new team of young kids. And I don't think really any of these characters would be super recognizable to a mainstream audience. But one of them is Sam Guthrie, who is a great character, but he's not in the story at all. (laughs) And his whole family are... He's got how many brothers and sisters? Too many. He's got, like, a litter. (laughs) He's got a southern family. He's got a giant family, and Marvel consistently, every few years, would introduce a new Guthrie as a new mutant character. So the Guthries are basically a mutant factory of babies. (laughs) Their dad is dead, and it's just a mom raising endless mutant kids. And pretty much the most Basically, I think every time someone visits home, there's a new mutant there. All right, but unfortunately, all's not well in Guthrieville because there is a rival family named the Cabots. I guess. Cabots. Cabots. The Cabots. It's immediately established that this is the Hatfields and the McCoys. Two, like, really southern families that hate each other for no reason. No reason. I'm sorry, they're filthy muties, okay? Uh, Yeah. It's really established immediately the Cabots are super racist and super anti-mutant and they're super anti-black and they are like the most cliched southern ignorant family. So the uh, the Cabot children come over, uh, they start antagonizing uh, Raymond and Jeb, Jeb being the Guthrie. Uh, the sheriff comes over, I'm pretty sure he's the sheriff. He's like, you guys stop that. Yeah. Um, it's revealed that um, Jeb has mutant powers to essentially shoot like electricity out of his eyes. He shoots the Cabot kid. The Cabot kid gets like weird electrical stuff on him. Um, this whole the whole scene escalates. Um, 
Jab gets hit in the head with a crowbar. The crowbar's gonna be thrown at Raymond. Um, Jab goes to stop it with his electric vision. Um, it destroys the crowbar, but it keeps going, and it winds up blowing up the sheriff's jeep. And a very nice splash page. I don't know if that's Zabor. physics, but that's what happens. It's electric. I don't know. What Just to go into how heavy-handed their racist dialogue is, don't one of them refer to him as the colored boy? It's them Guthrie's and them colors all over yeah. again. <laughs> like, come on. That, like, that's, this, that's not me simplifying it. That's yeah, the line. This story is supposed to take place in, like, 2002. Like, I know that racism still exists, but this is so heavy-handed. So, like, the Guthrie kid starts grandstanding. He's like, we'll mess with me and my friends. And he's like, and the sheriff's like, shut it down, Jeb. He's like, what do you mean shut down? These guys jumped me, you saw. And he's like, and the sheriff's like, I said shut it down. He starts giving the uh, uh, the sheriff lip, and the sheriff shoots him. Just I like, feel just, like... Just out of curiosity, do you guys think we're supposed to side with Jeb here? That's what I was going to say. This opening scene, I don't side with anybody. I side with the sheriff. He's trying to keep things calm. Yeah, I guess. Like, when I was, when I was reading it, I was like, who am I supposed to agree with? Everyone's a jerk here. <laughs> Welcome to Cumberland. <laughs> Welcome to the South. Listen, let, we, have, we have viewers all over this this great country known as America, Sly. Yeah. There you Those go. are real Americans that you're talking about. Actually, no, they're not. They're fictional characters in a shitty X-Men book. <laughs> all right, so cut to uh, Westchester, New York. Uh, Home the X-Men. Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters, you mean, Joe? Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I showed him. Uh, a long-running relationship throughout this entire arc has been uh, Warren and Paige. Warren and Paige. Warren, Warren being Angel. Angel uh, Paige being Husk. Yeah, so Paige is Jeb's sister, who's been in the X-Men for a little while. Yep. And Angel is older than her. By a lot. By a lot. They mention that a bunch of times. Yeah. And one of the founding members of the X-Men. Primarily featured in the upcoming uh, X-Men Apocalypse movie. Yeah. Yeah. But for those who don't know... Paige has the ability to basically shed her skin and underneath her, uh, reveal a new skin with a new set of powers. So basically, she would like shed off her regular skin and reveal like a rock hard uh, metal skin. So yeah. she can change her skin texture to yeah. rock metal things like that. Yeah. yeah. But, but the cool thing about her is that she actually rips off her skin yeah. and reveals yeah. underneath. She's a very visually interesting character. Yeah. Honestly, like she's one of the, one of the best examples of what I think the X Men powers should be. Weird, but useful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they have, they've had a long, not like a long standing, but it's been an arc throughout all of Chuck Austin's run about them, uh, dating. Uh, Paige seems to be like, listen, what's going on here? Um, and essentially it boils down to, um, Paige wants to know, like, you know, where is this going, Warren? Like, you know, am I wasting my time here? Should my interest be somewhere else? And Warren basically just says, yeah, you are wasting your time. Yeah. She says something like, should I be focused elsewhere? And he says, yes. And just like. Literally walks away, pages in tears. However, Paige um, gets a call from the Deep South, courtesy of Jubilee, who answered the phone. Jubilee's only appearance in this entire story. Yeah, so we, it doesn't matter. And we learned that Jeb, whose full name is Jebediah, has of been course. shot. What's it, what else is it going to be? Jebra? <laughs> Jebatron. I want to make a Jeb Bush joke, but I don't know his actual name. George Oswald Bush or something like that? Uh, Job, I think. Yeah. I think it's Joe Bluth Bush. <laughs> All right, so we cut there. Uh, we cut back to Cumberland, Kentucky. Jebediah is really mad. He's like, everything's stupid. Uh, the sheriff's name, who's Pete, is like, you were antagonizing them. Uh, which which they, he, he, they are. He which, right. which they absolutely were. Jeb is like, we're just goofing around. We meet uh, Raymond, who is the small uh, African-American child. His dad, his name is also Ray. Um, and pretty much comes out that, hey, guess what? Jeb and Ray planned this whole thing to 
show off in front of the uh, the Cabots and be like, hey, listen, don't mess with us. And they, they mention that they've been, like, the family rivalry, the Cabots are obviously the super bad guys that, like, mm-hmm. beat them up all the time. And, like, they basically said, like, for once I wanted to stand up for myself and the, you know... They say this thing that, like, you never proved it was them, but, like, they all know it was them. Yeah, they all know that, like, the Cabots are, are dirtbags, yeah. and they hate them. I got a... Uh, from these early issues, I got a real To Kill a Mockingbird vibe. Yeah. A really poor man's attempt at a Kill a yeah. Mockingbird vibe. Yeah. Uh, is this when Paige uh, joins, joins up with them? Uh, yeah, this is when they show up. Pretty much the kids did this whole thing. Everyone's dicks. super Everyone's super mad. They are dicks. Everyone's dicks. They're super mad at She them. lies with angels. Everyone's dicks. <laughs> she lies the with dicks. like, listen, I gotta ban you from the town. This is premeditated. Um, we talked about this in the last episode, too. Is this a thing that happens a lot? Do people get banned from towns all the time? Well, I don't a know. small town, you can imagine it more likely. I guess. It's more. It's more like a probably like more like the sheriff. We're gonna like, run you out of town. We're gonna of. run you out of town now. Like uh, is gonna send in the SWAT teams to escort you out of the. Yeah. All right. So they're like, speaking of, where's Josh? This character who we haven't met yet, and they're like, Josh is you know playing a concert, you know trying you know at. The blah, View. Blah, blah. Yes. Which I the thought view. they were talking about the TV show, for a, a while. <laughs> the View's head waitress and boss's daughter, Rosalinda Aguilara. So, obviously, this is Rosalind from Romeo and Juliet they're talking about. So, essentially, they go there. Uh, Rosalind is there with another waitress. Um, and Josh Guthrie is singing a beautiful song about love. He's singing just And, and Rosalind is like, he's singing this song for me. And the other waitress who's in her monologue we're getting the scene is like, no, he's singing the song for me. And that Which, ends issue and one. And I feel like that's a weird dichotomy to see both of them thinking that when we don't know either of these characters at all. I, I assumed there were characters that existed before. I, I assumed all these characters were in the rest of Chuck Austin's I don't think run. so. No. no the way the story treats them, it acts like you're supposed to care about them, and I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you don't. All right, so issue I two. Do. It's poorly written. All right, let's take a look. Issue two opens up with uh, things getting out of hand, because guess who shows up? Oh, also, at the Josh Gothard has farm? big red wings. He does. That's important. <laughs> yeah, uh, not to forget that. A tiny little plot point. <laughs> he's got wings. All right, whatever. But he's performing with the wings, but everyone thinks it's part of the stage. Yeah, everyone thinks that the wings are a part of the stage costume, but they're yeah. not. They're his mutant power. Yeah. Like so Angel, he also has wings. That's why he's allowed to be out in public as a mutant, because they think he's just an artsy guy. Yes. And not an actual... Oh, mutant. you know, he's just a liberal arts student. You know? Yeah. Exactly. For the record, we all went to a liberal arts college. Yeah. <laughs> we all had wings. So the Cabots show up. Um, they're out for blood. They bring their shotguns like you know anyone does to like a good like Southern meeting. They show up to the house, right? To the house, to the yes. Guthrie to the Guthrie, house? to the Guthrie house farm. The mom, mom Guthrie gets her own shotgun. They yell. It's a bunch of lies. Um, they bring up the point you made about the like... Oh, well, your son picks on our son, and the cabot son, like cabot father's like, you can't prove that. Murmur, murmur, murmur. Murmur, That that is a lot of this argument. Is murmur, murmur, murmur. Yeah, it's a lot of this book. It's murmur, like, murmur. like it's the most cliched. Like, like this scene, like is just to kill a mockingbird meets Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I I agree. This is it's it's very very heavy handed. Yeah. Um, so they do that. They have their classic shotgun standoff. Pete the sheriff is like, let's slow down. So we cut back to the uh, really groovy concert. Um, groovy. Groovy concert. Julia. Um, we finally get her name in this issue. Uh, not oh, Julie. Yeah. It, it, yeah. No, it is. Oh my God. It is Julia. Oh, it is Julia. It is Julia. That is, that is how heavy handed Josh this is. And, <laughs> girl's name is Julia. Um, 
All right, so anyway, uh, Julia goes to the band's locker room, um, and that's when she realizes that uh, Josh's wings are wheel. Are, ah, sorry, wings Josh's, are wheel. Those wings, wings are, are wheel. wheel. Rings are wheel. Josh's <laughs> ring. Oh, God damn it. Josh's rings are <laughs> Josh's wings are real. Uh, say that five times fast, Ryan. Wings are real. 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 Josh's wing. <laughs> I'm just going to skip that. Hey, Ryan, can you say that one more time? Josh's wings are real. That's right. He does realize that, Ryan. <laughs> Uh, then we go back for some more stupid stuff at the barn. Thank God the X-Men are there, because Angel and Paige come out. They they beat up the uh, the Cabots, um, so that disperses. Um, and we get to know more about Julia and Josh, who spent a magical summer eight years ago. Okay, if anyone... It's mentioned know... exactly eight years ago, um, and they're all shocked. Both of them are shocked that the other one remembers them from okay. eight years ago. You guys haven't seen it, but if any of our listeners has seen the movie Fateful Findings, it is that. It is like, we had this magical summer together. We were 10 years old, and that was 8 years ago, so I am now of legal age, so this isn't a weird thing. <laughs> and, yeah, it's weird how obsessive they are about this thing they did when they were 10. Yes, this one summer, that's the only time they ever They met. also really sexualize it in the yeah. dialogue. Oh, yeah. Josh is like... I, she's the first girl she's I ever saw naked. the first girl naked. I ever saw naked, and, like, she was 10, and you were 10, and that's weird. Yeah. And then, like... Julia's like, says, don't like, say that. I wasn't even fully grown yet. Yeah, and then Josh is... But it was all... I love how much they go up there on time, but it was all innocent. Yeah. They but mentioned then, that, I think, like, four times. But then his bandmate is like, that's not the way he tells it. Who tells a story about this time that they, like, boned down when they were 10? What a weird thing. This dialogue. This dialogue from Julia. There's this pond, and he used oh, to yeah, sneak up. Oh, yeah, a 10-year-old girl. Bro fist. Yeah, but they... They, he's going on and on about all this lovey-dovey stuff, and the other guy's standing there, and the whole time he's just like, "Ew, bro, stop!" And this goes on for like almost a whole issue of this guy just standing there, and he keeps being like, "Do you guys want to be left alone?" And then Josh is like almost making out with this girl, and he's just like, "Ew, bro!" And it's really weird that is... he doesn't just walk away. No, it, well, they're, they're in the band locker room. <laughs> like, where's he gonna go? Okay, first off, what band has a locker room? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, whatever. I guess that's the way they do it on the View. <laughs> So the song is a, the song that Josh was singing in issue one is about their their summer together. Yeah, and th- this is even more weird because Julia's like, "What'd you tell him, creep?" And Josh's like, "You heard my song," and he's like, "Yeah, the PG version." And I'm like, "I'm like, what's the R version when you're ten? Why didn't they make it when they were like fourteen or fifteen? You know, the age Romeo and Juliet were. Why make it ten? It's so weird. I, I don't even like like." That, even the whole subplot of, oh, we knew each other when we were kids, and now okay. we, we love each other. That seems like a way to make it easily be, hey, we love each other right away, so the story can move along fast enough for the yeah. five issues. Yeah, like it's really lazy. I feel like they should have at least made it when they were like yeah. 16 or and, something. Yeah, and Josh comes on hard. He's like, how about my lips? Would it be too weird for me to kiss your hand after all this time? And he's like, and she's like, uh, I don't know, they're nice lips. And the other bandmate looks horrified yeah. at what's going on in front of them. This scene makes trouble subtle. <laughs> at least this, this scene makes, like, at least trouble gets to the point. Yeah. At least trouble knows what he's doing. I don't get what this story's fucking doing. Yeah. This uh, is... I get what he's doing for, for being Romeo and Juliet for the X-Men. I... <sighs> it's fantastic. I guess. We're only two issues in. All right, so anyway, uh, Julie's grandma comes in. Uh, and we get the reveal that Josh's name is Guthrie, and guess who Julia is? Guess what? Well, guess what family Julia belongs to? The McCoys. The Cabots. Yes. Oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. what I meant. <laughs> the Capulets. 
Oh yeah, Cabot sounds just like Capulet. God <laughs> damn it! How did I not catch that? Until you said it out loud, I was just like, oh yeah. crap. Was 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 Capulet uh, Juliet's? Friend? Yes. Yeah. So is, your name is Julia. Is Julia, Cab- Julia Cabot. Instead of Juliet Julia of Cabot. the Capulets. And Josh Guthrie sounds just like Romeo Montague. <laughs> Alright, so, you know, whatchamacallit, Julie gets a whole lowdown about the situation, and they leave. Uh, Josh seems shocked that her last name is Cabot. Uh, cut back to the farm. Considering uh, they, like, spent a whole summer pounding each other when they were ten, you'd think they would, like, know each other's names. Yeah. Well, they don't. Names aren't important when you're ten. Yeah, neither. Genitals shouldn't be either. Well, they were, so I don't know what to tell you. Let me, I have a question for you, Joe. You read okay. this when you were in seventh grade? No, I did not read this. I skipped this story. Oh, okay. Because I, I wish I could have heard, like, Joe's 12-year-old opinion on this romance Oh, stuff. God. Um, the way I did it was any story that didn't have Juggernaut in it, I skipped, and I feel like I, I was better off for it. Not just any story that didn't have Juggernaut in it, but I also skipped the Draco. Which we're definitely going to talk Which about. Which <laughs> there are going to be parts of Chuck Austin's run that we won't I don't know Joe's uh, seventh grade reaction, but I know Sly's seventh grade re- reaction. Ew, Iggy Romance, Elk. Where's the X Men? I feel like Ryan would have been like, this writing is subpar. <laughs> we talked about how terrible my taste was in college. <laughs> I can't imagine what my taste is like in middle school. All right, so anyway, long story short, we go back to the farm. Uh, Pete is putting the moves on, uh, yeah, Lucinda. Putting yeah. the moves on Lucinda, who's Mama Guthrie, who I feel like we're going to refer to as Mama Guthrie. Yeah, anymore. let's just call her Mama Guthrie. Putting the moves on Mama Guthrie. Mama Guthrie. <laughs> uh, and the sh- Pete, the sheriff, is pretty much like, listen, I'm going to let this slide and stuff, even though your son... That's what he wants to do. He wants to let it slide. He does. Oh, God. And he also is like... He pretty much puts the moves on her and it's like, let me take you out sometime. And Mama Guthrie's like, get your hand off me, you shot my son. Yeah. And that's She's Pete. really harping on this. Yeah, she's really not... I don't know why she's not letting She's got, go. like, eight other kids. What's, like, there what's, you go. what's Jeb's big deal? He seems like a piece of shit. Um, Josh is driving home with Manny, the horrified band member who had to watch uh, two 18-year-olds, like, almost bone each other. The war traumatized. There's going to be a lot of people almost watching and then eventually watching each other bone, like, what? There's going to be a lot of that in this story. Um, Josh is not letting this go. He's still harping on that one summer when, you know, they were 10. And he has a great line. Um, and the one crazy thing is, I will forever owe my family's worst enemy for giving life to such perfection, for making it breathe and speak and move just for me. This is how he feels about this one girl that he met this one time. Yeah, in the he's summer. really. I mean, listen, do, have do you guys have you had a crush like this like forever, like a million years ago? I've never not had a crush like this. Okay, <laughs> so this is real. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like in Romeo and Juliet, yeah, it's done really well because it's a it's a satire on how fickle and obsessive teens are yeah. about love. In this, this is supposed to be the emotional crutch of the story, and the satire part of it is not done well. It's done more as an homage than a satire. Yeah. It's actually so, funny how Romeo and Juliet is often treated straight, like a great romance story, even though it's it's a tragedy that these two people kill themselves well, over the thing, a fickle romance. When I read Romeo and Juliet in high school, I mean... in whatever, middle school or high school or whatever, I hated it because I was like, they're just so stupid and like, why are they so in love? And the more I read it as a grown-up person, I was like, oh, that's the point. They're idiots. But a lot of people yeah. don't seem to get that. Yeah. A lot of people think, take a sh- like, this reminds me of the Star Wars prequels because Star Wars prequels feel like they're trying to go for a real moon Juliet. I love you, loving, loving, love, love dialogue. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you do realize Roman Julia wasn't meant to be taken straight. Like, yeah. That's not yeah. how people in romance talk. But I feel and like and the, then no one talks like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like the romance in this book is taken straight. Yeah. And, like, you're 
Especially consider the ending. It's like, bizarre. It's bizarre how I'm supposed to care so much, but they give me no reason to believe this at all. It just seems kind of like Josh is a horn dog wordsmith, and Julia is just like an idiot who stole her friend's boyfriend. No, but they've been in love since they've been ten. Have they? Apparently, he wrote a song about it. It's like Anakin was in love with Padme since he was ten. I wrote a there song about Batman. That doesn't make me in love with Batman. I does it? Does it? Does it not? <laughs> it was actually about Two Face. Whatever. There you go. I love Two Face. <laughs> I'll say it right now. It's <laughs> pretty sweet. All right, so Manny, the horrified band member, driving home Josh, who's still harping about Julia, and is like, "Listen, go fucking fly to her, because I, I can't deal with your shit and like I can deal with like your puppy dog love shit anymore." And tries to be the good friend, and is like, "Go get her, man." And he's like, "Go I'm get her, tiger. You just hit the jackpot." Yeah, pretty much. And then Josh's like, "I'm gonna go get her," and flies <laughs> off into the distance. Yeah. Um, we find out that uh, Sheriff Pete, the one somewhat decent guy in this story, actually works for the Cabots, and this whole plan was supposed to be for uh, the Cabots to go to the farm, this whole thing was supposed to escalate, and a, um, so the Guthries were supposed to get shot by the So Cab- the Guthries and the Cabots planned this whole thing all along. There's, there's a lot of two-timing like, yeah, in this. I guess. I, this is when they reveal that the, the Cabots murdered the Goofries' dad. Casually uh, in a throwaway line of dialogue. Yeah. Now the Guthries had been yes, a character through, through poison. They yeah the Guthries had been characters for decades. Like Sam's relationship with his father is a big deal. You can't just casually reference this. You can if you're a, a, a comic writer. I guess. It's all the time. There you go. A member of Cover Justice. Oh, this character from this, all these books. They're dead. Off I, yeah, you're right. All right. So anyway, long story short, we get to the end of the issue. Angel called the X Men. And rather than getting the characters that I cared about, he got Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Polaris. I don't think, personally, there's any need for any of those characters to have shown up. I agree. Okay. I agree. Um, Aside from just Raw Muscle. Even for Raw Muscle, they don't do their job very well. Yeah, not at all. Especially Polaris. And I actually like Polaris a lot, but she's a character that gets screwed over a lot, and this is one of the most screwed over she gets in any run. Yeah, but she has, she has some better moments. Um, in this Comparatively run. to what the else they do, I'm sorry, she has one good moment in this run. Okay, you women, you got me, Joe. One good moment this whole time, fucking run. There you go. Um, all right, so as it turns out, uh, the Cabots have discovered a um, anti-mutant weapon facility that's in ruins from some X-Men fight against some Reverend. Yeah, how ago. convenient. And they're very easy to operate, apparently. A bunch of dumb hicks come out yeah, there. Well, they have scientists, like, working on this shit, which I don't understand, like... Cabot scientists. Yeah, how the Cabots have, like, a science and research division. Yeah, that, like, like this, this. this book establishes that they're just, like, this, like, racist redneck family. And now they have an R&D division that builds these giant robots! <laughs> I love like, yeah. calling them the R&D division. <laughs> it's bizarre! No, that's what it is. It's, it's guys, like, it's, like, old men in white coats who are, like, unearthing, like, this, like, Iron Man's it te- comes yeah, like out of suits. nowhere. Like, out of nowhere. They're like, these suits are in perfect working order and are left over from some X-Men story that I think he just that, made up. Yeah, that for sure. all yeah. of us have... We've all read a lot of X-Men. None of us get where these suits come from, correct? You would think that if right next to the Guthrie's house there was a big, like, anti-mutant like, war that just happened that they yeah, referenced, they like, would know about it. Yeah, it's, it's like if they built their house next to a Sentinel factory. And, and, yeah. and there are organizations that clean up after superhero fights. There are uh, damage damage control and, and shield. They clean up after superhero fights. They won't just say, oh, all this Iron Man loves technology. Let's yeah. just leave it out here for don't yeah, mix to steal. Yeah, I can't imagine the X-Men are like, let's leave all this anti-mutant weaponry here for anyone to pick up and I use. I think this is when Chuck Austin was just like, Romeo and Juliet, but with mechs, like we were saying before. <laughs> with mech suits. I gotta fulfill the, the idea 
idea. That's my kind yeah. of concept right here. See, this, well, is, this just sounds great, though. I don't know why you guys hate the story. This <laughs> sounds amazing. This is one of those things, like, when this is one of those moments in the story where you realize, oh, yeah, I'm reading a superhero comic. Yeah. There you go. No, what happened was Chuck Austin was playing with his action figures, and his mom came home and was like, I got you these cool Transformer action figures. And he was like, yes, now these guys are fighting the X-Men. All right, there you go. All right, so issue three opens up with... Bad well, stuff. Open up with that. Bad, um, bad scene, I'm sure. And, and we're going to continue on with bad scenes. Uh, Julia is yelling at uh, younger Cabot, or Cabot, whatever. Their name doesn't fucking matter. Younger Cap. Can we just call him the Capulets from here on out? The yeah. Capulets. He's yelling at younger Cabot. Guthrie's and Montague's. That's what they yeah. are. No, no. The Guthrie's can keep their name. The Guthrie's can keep their name. They've earned it. Yeah. The Capulets. Uh, he also... Uh, younger Capulet who got, like, electrocuted in the thing, and she's like, oh, that's not so bad. You're being, like, a bitch. Um, the she grandma's calls it a like, sunburn or whatever. There you go. It's like, Even if it's just a minor injury, a guy yeah. shot electric beams yeah. out of his eyes at him. It's a sunburn, you, Abraham. People are very You're casual raised... about the damage they cause in the story. Except for the sheriff. The sheriff is the only only act realistically to the shit that goes on, yeah. I think. Um, and to get some, th- some southern love in this, he's like, you're raising all this fuss over a sunburn? And there you go, and being electrocuted almost. Julia's upset because clearly, like you know, they're all against her. You know, her one true love's family, like forever. Yeah. Um, Julia's supposed to be left alone. She's like, "Leave me alone, Grandma." She goes up, uh, classic, you know, teen angst door slam. Goes in her room, Grandma, who's actually, I tell you about the Grandma's the best character in this story. She's pretty great. She, uh, her, she's a nice human being, but her transformation does not feel earned at all. <laughs> from a, from a, I hate. This family that's that fucking my family's been trying to kill for years to now. Does she ever outright say I hate them? Uh, she's been this family for a while, and they're all monsters. I've like she's allowed it to happen. No, she. You know what? That's fair. She's allowed this to happen, and not has not spoken up about this. Um. So she's like, Grandma's like, sweetie, please talk to me. Grandma's like, Julie, Julie, you know your father would never agree. Like, you know, never allow this. And Julie, of course, broken up about it. Um, they bring up their old Hatfield McCoy thing, where there's like, yeah. where you know we hate each other, and there's no reason why the grandma's like they're mutants, and she was like, that's not a reason, that's an excuse, an excuse to turn inner pain into anger and focus on someone other than yourself, and an excuse for those whose own inadequacies are so immense that they can only feel loss, uh, deficient by dominating others and controlling others who must be categorized as beneath them. This is supposed but, to be an 18-year-old girl, southern girl. Uh, saying this. We're supposed to believe this is a natural dialogue for her. Yeah. And then, it's not as bad. I don't want to... We could just read this whole issue. We could read I this don't whole thing. Do yeah. But what happens next? We're going to save more reading. Uh, blah, blah, blah. If you really want to read terrible dialogue, just go buy the book. <laughs> That's our recommendation. If you want to read terrible dialogue, buy this book. Okay, and we're going to get to... This is the one page where I think uh, LaRocca's art is awful. The... Uh, Julia's talking about love and the grandma looks shocked and she's like... She was like, what are you looking at, Grandma? And it's uh, Josh flying out her window, looking really evil. It's terrifying, yeah. Uh, fun fact, this page is for sale at uh, anthonycomicbookart.com. <laughs> uh, nice um, plug for that site. If, if, if someone wants to buy me that for a birthday present, or one of our we viewers wants to do that. We should get a P.O. box so people can send us fucking bags <laughs> of shit. <laughs> stupid shit. <laughs> Not literal shit. Please don't send us, send us feces. No, there's companies that let you buy boxes of shit to ship to people. <laughs> So they send boxes of uh, size of angels. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much, it's it's. I thought this was a nice scene. It's a um, it's a nice like mother daughter moment where Paige is you know 
grown up, they talk about Paige hiding her accent, and the mom was always like worried that she, you know, actually was going to leave home and like kind of like you know never come back. Of all the the shit, the story kind of gets to the south. This is a nice moment to have. Paige. I think Husk is good in the story. Yeah, yeah, but I feel it's nice to have Paige be like, I, I'm I'm not I'm not ashamed of who I am. I like being stubborn. Yeah, exactly. Um, they bring up Warren and how like you know are you trying if you know is she trying to hide her accent and stuff to you know impress that rich man? Yeah. Because Paige does not come from a very rich family. Um, they talk about love and stuff. We we go back to the Cabots being outfitted with their super mutant killing so mech suits. Um, really, it, like I could. There's even... nothing more to be said than that, yeah. other than that they're going to attack them tomorrow, and that them being in them being quote unquote in jail with the sheriff provides the perfect alibi for them to go over and kill them. And the X Men there provides perfect alibi because like oh we weren't there to kill the Guthries, we were there they were there to kill the X Men, and the yeah, Guthries yeah. got caught up in the crossfire. I could have bought. Like, this kind of To Kill a Mockingbird racist family taken out on Mutant's premise. But once the mechs get there, it loses any sort of realism that it had. I don't know how to describe this. Almost, like, I want to say this is parody, because there's no way he could have written this dialogue and be like, this is great. He does his best, like, what would William Shakespeare sound like if you were a contemporary writer? Here, I'll I'll read the, the first page. Josh... If it was, of course, Julia. Josh, I'm so glad you came. How'd you find me even at night? I followed the light you radiate. Oh, my God. There is so I much light. The birds were singing, and I flew here. Confused by your brilliance into thinking the sun had already risen. She should say, no, I asked you a fucking question. <laughs> how did you, how do you know where I live? That would have been awesome. <laughs> that was so awesome that Josh was talking like he was, and she's like, no, I'm being fucking serious. Let's fucking talk like human beings. Yeah, that's right. weird that you found me. You yeah. only know me as the girl from eight years ago in some river. <laughs> but so let's skip to all the flowery bullshit and then her grandma faints yeah, no, the gra- oh. no, no no not yet because they still talk lovey-dovey and the grandma's just going oh my oh my literally oh the my, opposite oh my. of the bandmate and then faints like, yeah. and then faints and this they still- is my favorite panel of the whole book they faint and then they still continue to talk yeah and then not not like acknowledging that the grandma faints um no, but then we cut away. We cut away to a late night scene. You know what? Let's finish that and then we yeah, can come back to it. because Josh says, meet me by the river, the pond yeah. where they, they met when they were 10 and bowing yeah. down or whatever. And then she says, no, my dad will never approve. I'll meet you tomorrow. And then he goes, whatever. And he leaves. And she sees her fainted grandma and mounts her. And I don't know why Salvatore LaRocca drew it this way. Because it's supposed to be her like saying... Grandma, are you okay? She, she doesn't like. She doesn't crouch down next to her. It's like she leans over her. If someone's unconscious, you kneel down next to them. You don't climb over their body like it's you're gonna so make out weird. with them. The grandma says, "You go marry that boy, otherwise I will." Which is such a weird thing to I say. I love that. It's I'm a very, uh, yeah. it's a very '90s romantic comedy thing to say. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, think about how Trouble feels like it was written by people who just watched uh, teen romance comedies. Yeah. This feels like it was somebody who uh, written by somebody who only read William Shakespeare, who only watched '90s romantic movies, and said, "This is." How relationships yeah. actually work. Yeah. It reminds me of all those movies, like the really lame movies that, like, the moral of the story is like racism is bad or whatever. Yeah. And like, I fe- I feel like the grandma should have looked at the camera and been like, and just like that, I realize our petty strife is stupid. 
It's too yeah. bad there's no rapping grandma scene. Or this would really be like a nineties yeah. uh, comedy. If this grandma rapped, that would be awesome. Yeah. She she would definitely be the best character yeah. at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to think the next time Josh does a concert, this grandma opens for him as a rapper. All right. So just to skim through the rest of this, Pete seems to be having some second thoughts on the massive firepower that the Cabots have to pretty much wipe the Guthries off the face of the earth. I don't get how it took him this long to be like, wait a second. The mech suits, the evil mech suits, begin their descent on the Guthrie farm. Um. And Julia leaves in the middle of the night, drives her car to their meeting spot, where Josh is, coincidentally, by the way. Well, I assumed he went there anyway. To... Were they meeting up? Yeah, in the morning. Or oh, so. in the morning? No, I but think, I think uh, me... he went there anyway because he knew he was going to come. Yeah. But they were in love, so their hearts were tuned and blah, blah, They never want to be separated blah. again, um, and they kiss, and then they wake up the next morning... Um, only to be found by giant mech suits who have no good thoughts for yeah. what they've encountered. Her dad. Dad, it's not what it looks like. Wait, why are you in a giant mech suit? <laughs> That's an awkward conversation. Yeah. That's not the point, daughter. You're not supposed <laughs> to be cheating of that guy. I feel like it should have been one of those scenes where, like, somebody walks in on you, but they're also doing something really like embarrassing. Like, they walk in, but they have their pants down. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always barge into rooms pantsless. <laughs> All right, so we're going to... We're gonna go in entirely in order for this, uh, for this scene or the start of this. Um, so let's start with the so conversation. So what issue are we up to now? We're at four. Uh, okay, let's start with five. the conversation that Mama Guthrie and um, Angel have, which is this is my favorite scene of the whole book. Which actually Warren comes out that a um, his ex girlfriend, um, I keep calling Betty. You call yeah, Betsy. Betsy Psylocke. Um, She's gonna be in the new X Men movie. Gonna be in the new X Men movie. Yeah. Um, she died, and Warren is having issues because he's clearly in love with Paige, and not only does he want her to die, but he realized that Paige... Not only does he want her to die, is that... Not only does he want her... (laughs) He really hates Paige. No, he loves Paige. Not only does he not want Paige to die, but he admits he's made... He made a compromised choice early in the run where he has Paige accompany him on a mission, not because he thinks that she's skilled but because he was attracted to her this scene is basically him just saying like i don't want to be responsible for her and i can't have proper judgment in the field if i can't tell if i trust her because i love her or trust her because she's skilled yeah and Paige overhears this yes and kind of confronts him about it that she's a, a she's you know of legal age she's a woman who can make her own choices and if she chooses to go in the field that's up to her and not him and I think this scene's great yeah. I really like this scene okay I'll wait just to go back to Ryan's very famous line the line that Ryan has wanted I'm 19 years old Warren that's legal age to make my own mistakes in most states including the one we reside in <laughs> what a weird thing to say a lot of a lot of these dialogue choices you might think we are exaggerating yeah. and no we're reading direct yeah. dialogue yeah. That means I choose to fight for my country, who I have a who I have a relationship with. Yeah, I don't. And whether or not right. I put myself in a harm's way. I have a right to fight for my country. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why she says that. That's so weird. Right? I'm eligible to go because she's a good Southern right girl who loves America. Yes, but she's like, if I'm old enough to fight, I'm old enough to like <laughs> to fuck. love whoever I'm I want. I'm old enough to fuck. I guess. Which she but, is because okay, they talk about how like they don't trust her to have sex, but these ten year olds are bounding down in a pound. If 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 this was, was a parody. This will be the best parody ever, and Chuck Austin will be a genius. But it's not—it's pl- not played that way. This 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 particular scene, I would say, because it's so fucking yeah. hilariously clunky. Oh, and that's the thing—is even a great scene that I really like has these weird dialogue choices. There you go. Um, Warren's like, "You're so right." 
You know, like, what you call it? Maybe that's why Betty withdrew from him, blah, blah, blah. And this is the scene. This is the defining scene of the book. Warren's this like, I need, I need the someone. reason why we read this This is the only book. reason why we read Warren's this Warren's like, I need someone to tell me, you know, what I'm wrong instead of, you know, running away from me. And then they fly up into the air and fuck each other. Not just. They don't just fly up in the air and fuck each other. Oh, they so- drop clothes onto Paige's mom. Yes. Yeah. They're all, all the X-Men are watching them. Bone down. Well, watching them smiling and catching the clothes as they fall. How and weird Mama is Guthrie that? is like, oh my, I do not want to see this. Like, I, I'm friends with you guys. If you guys were fucking in front of me, I wouldn't be like, this is a charming moment. Like, ha ha ha. I'd be like, this is weird. Also, like, you that wouldn't find that charming? Be... How impractical is it to fuck in the sky like that? <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever had sex with an angel? I've never seen the show touched by an angel. I assume it is this. this <laughs> Just is like this. This is what it amounts to. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, the evil mech suits find a um, find Julia and Josh at the pond, and they are not happy. It's a nice juxtaposition. Great, yeah. One th- Guthrie's getting it in, the other one's rapidly pulling it out. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks like they slept there or whatever, like, you know, all cuddly and nice. The dad is super mad, and is like, we're going to tell the town that he forced himself on you. And Julia's like, stop that, daddy, I love him. This is this is the I be to kill with him, Daddy. stuff that I was talking about. No one takes the word over me and over you, yeah. you white girl. Exactly. There you go. Um, the dad winds it. The dad winds up hitting Julia with um, his mech suit, which, which with his mech suit, which is pretty hard stuff. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's pretty rough. Uh, they wind up beating the crap out of Josh. Um, I think he ends up getting shot, or imp- yeah, I think he, he winds up getting shot by one of like the grappling arms. Um, and then they continue their descent on the thing. They, the X-Men hear the noise, Wolverine and Polaris, like, fly off to go investigate what it is. I want to point out, Warren and Paige are still fucking. Yeah. Yeah. As, as this, as this, as happening. this happens. Yeah. As this noise and, and they stuff have, happens. they're up in the sky, they could definitely see. And, and Paige, this is Paige's family. Yeah. This like, is her family. She hey, fuck. she's been waiting to fuck this guy for a long time. There you go. Yeah, so fuck my family, I gotta fuck this guy instead. Yeah. Okay, all right. Have you ever had sex with an angel? <laughs> all right, meanwhile, um, Mama Guthrie um, really like, actually likes Ray Sr., and they share a kiss. And that's the the father Ray of the African-American yes. child from the very Ray beginning. Ray Sr., who I don't think has been in this comic since issue two. I don't think so either. Yes, and we're now at, we're now at the very end of issue four. Yeah. Um... Captain, I'm having second thoughts of this slash love Mama Guthrie Sheriff shows up. And they're walking out holding hands. Yes. The mom and Ray. And Ray are holding hands, and Mr. Sheriff is not happy about that. Um, speaking of, the super awesome mech suits are actually made of carbon composite. Polaris can't do anything. Polaris has Magneto. Polaris, who... She's, she's, she was, uh, has Magneto She's Magneto's daughter. Yeah. It's, it's revealed in this run, actually. She's Magneto's daughter. Um, she gets like shot by some weird missile thing and falls to the ground. And, and this is comic book, so this channel happens all the time. But she took a missile right to the fucking face, and she's fine afterwards. She only always always mess up her costume. Yeah. Oh, uh, Wolverine says spaghetti. your costume's spaghetti now, and she winks at him or something. And like she looks, well, like she it. says good. She she's like so. I don't get. And then she, yeah, she's it's, she looks down and she's just like so what. And I'm, I'm a combo ca- female combo character. I gotta look skimpy. Yeah, I guess. No, she's the only one with the not skimpy. I'm, I'm well, sorry. That's she's, that's she, has, she, is. she has a full body suit. That's so why you should be thrilled. That's why Charles is like, I have to fix this. It's the same thing. It reminds me of the newest uh, DC book with Power Girl in it. Yeah. Well, not the newest one, the reboot one. Power Girl is a character who always had a boob window in her costume, and she 
got a new costume, and fans for some reason clamored for the boob window, and they were really mad about and it. They so in out and they won every co- in every issue, she would have her costume ripped so her boobs would come out, and it was so. As someone who liked the full body costume, it was like guys. That's this kind of is why we point. can't have real nice things. It's kind of yeah. the point. To be of fair, though, you, you do not see you don't see any of Polaris' skin in this because she covers it up with the cape. That's true. That's true. So it's, 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 not, it's, like, it's not like they did this for TNA purposes. But it's purposes. weird. Why? Why did they? This is a weird scene. Because uh, this whole fucking book is weird. Have yeah. you not realized that that's yet? True. This whole story. Is... Oh no! It's a it's a specific reference to when Tybalt spills spaghetti all over himself. <laughs> <laughs> also, as they're having this this cute scene where she's winking at him. Uh, the Goofies are getting killed by the Mexicans. Yeah, there's a, a Wolverine, big... Wolverine goes to check on her. Uh, that's that's next issue, so like we can get into that. Um, Sheriff Pete is not happy um, that Mama Guthrie is in love with this black man, and he pulls the gun. Just uh, because... And it's... He... he it would be enough, I think, for him to say, like, I'm the one who was defending your family yeah. to the Capulets. You know, I, I thought we could be something. But yeah. he has to point out with one of them. Yeah. And, like, ugh. I, I'm not bad guy. freaks. He literally, he literally says, you live in a freak show. You know that. You yeah. live in a freak show, and I want to take you away from all that. I want to love you. But you wouldn't. You pushed me away. What, for him? For a black man? Yeah, like, come on, Chuck Austin. Also, we get it. Also, I'm assuming since Ray Jr. and Jeb... And put, are, oh, and he puts the gun to her face. Yeah. Well, he's Ray, Ray, Ray Jr. and Jeb are friends for a long time. You'd think Ray and what's-her-face, Mama Guffrey, would have known each other for a while. And they were like, why now all of a sudden they're a couple? Like, what What in all this chaos going on made them think, like, this is what we will kindle our love? Yeah. Like, it's... it's because forced... notes that this whole book is people rekindling their love. Yeah. It's I, forced for this scene. Yeah. For, with the sheriff. Yeah. yeah. You have to make sure the sheriff has hope in his relationship, so and then they have to hook up so that hope can be dashed. It's, it's drama for drama's sake yeah. is really yeah, the best exactly, way. Like, there's exactly. no need for it to be But don't worry, like the, this, the sheriff's but... arc will get resolved very quickly. Absolutely. So now we're up to right. issue five. Which opens up with um, Warren and, and Paige making stop. out in the sky. <laughs> they stop fucking finally. Still. Because they hear Julia, who has woken up and goes over to the body of Josh who has a big hole in him and she just screams Josh and literally Paige, literally Paige is like Warren what was that and then they look down and then they see the mech suits approaching the thing Warren that's screaming my brother's name is Joshua <laughs> I'm so glad she points that out <laughs> alright so Paige um, she's go- she goes on the ground to fight the mech suits um, with pretty decent success uh, Nightcrawler joins her um, they fight and stuff. Skipping ahead, they still fight. Um, they're approaching. Um, Mama Guthrie says to Raymond, "Listen, get the kids out of here." Or Ray, yeah, Ray Senior. Ray does a great job at that. Yeah, too. Ray. He gets in the car. Yeah, he good. This is a good job of getting to that car. Gets in the car. We uh, Wolverine finds Polaris. Wanted to make sure she was all right. Spaghetti's. Or Spaghetti. We, we covered Ooh, oh, that. Spaghettios. I'm naked. All right, then we, we get to a really fucking weird choice here. Oh, um, a weird choice in his book. Yeah, what a shocker! No, like this is this is the this is like, I like I get some of the other choices in this. Um, but I'm just the mechs, but I don't understand this. Um, Julia, upon finding uh, Josh's seemingly dead body, um, decides that she can't live with him. Oh, this is bizarre. Yeah, uh, takes takes Josh into the water of uh, the pond that they you know had all their romance on eight years earlier. And makes out with him as they descend into the water. And she continues to make out with him until she drowns. See, I this scene could have 
been makes way out better. till she drowns. Here's the thing. It needs dialogue. And that's weird coming from how much we hate this dialogue. But I had no idea why she was doing what she was doing. I didn't get that he was dead. I didn't realize the metaphor that this is the pond where they fell in love. Like, I missed a lot of this because I'm an idiot, I guess. <laughs> but, like, when I was reading it, I was like, I thought he was just hurt. I didn't realize he was dead. So I didn't get why she was doing this. And then when I pointed it out to Joe when I was reading it earlier, I was like, why is she doing this? He, you just looked at me and you're like, because it's Romeo and Juliet. I was like, oh, so she has to die. Yes. Okay. I, I honestly got this scene. I, I didn't have a problem getting it because I realized she wouldn't be under the water if, if she wouldn't be dragging him under, under the sea if he wasn't dead. And she wouldn't be kissing him <laughs> under, the, under the sea. <laughs> well, then what happens What happens when they hit the bottom? And then I'll make my, my point. Okay. They they look like a heart. Oh. Yeah. With with the wings. They look like a heart. Oh. Yeah. The hole in Josh heals itself, and he flies back up to the surface yeah. with now, Julia in tow. Have we seen any semblance of his healing powers up to this point? Nope. Have they mentioned this at all? Um, I, I can I can offer some exposition on this. Um, even then, with the exposition, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But essentially, uh, what the Draco establishes is that certain certain physical traits in mutants have are like dom I think they are like attached to certain appearances like the secondary mutations the secondary thing? mutations okay. are like so teleporting between dimensions and opening dimensions is something that falls under people who look like nightcrawler who descend from azazel okay so, so that, that that's where demon comes heal? from and people who with people who have the wings and the powers that's why they're angels because they can heal and have okay. wings and it ties back into like the biblical sense of they should have referenced that this is a standalone trade like if we can yeah. like yeah. a standalone trade a person as a standalone story it sucks they should one bit of dialogue yeah, yeah. Even well, Warren ref- mentions he has a healing factor but, but he never mentions that's a that's a characteristic of exactly. people with wings yeah so Coupled with, like, that, I was like, is this... My first thought when he healed was, is this a magic healing lake that she brought him in? And, like, why would I have thought that it's his secondary mutation? I I, I don't buy this, but I like to imagine that... Like, when we were talking about Civil War, how the explanation you assume for, like, why Captain Marvel's there or why... Centuries there, I like to imagine new readers thinking that, oh, it's a magic healing lake. That's the explanation. She'll wake up too, right? Right? No, but God deemed that she does not come back. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's go back to the action on the farm. Uh, meanwhile, back at the farm. Meanwhile, back. Meanwhile, back on the farm. <laughs> Them Guthrie boys are having an awfully rough time. <laughs> let's see how this pans out. Yeah. Um, all right. So Mama, Mama Guthrie appeals to uh, Papa Capulet in the mech suit. She's like, "Listen, don't kill the kids. Kill me. I'm all yours." Um, Mr. Capulet's like. Get on your knees and lick my boots. Yeah, what? She goes to get on her knees and lick his boots, and he blows up the car containing... All the uh, supporting characters that we didn't establish very well. And Nightcrawler, too. There you go. Is Nightcrawler in there? I, I think so. He's the one that saves them, so I assume he is. He bams in and saves the two oh, okay. children, but not Mr. Guthrie. Yeah. Or no, so not, mis- not, much more, not Mr. Guthrie. Not um, the future Mr. Guthrie. <laughs> what what would have been the future? Yeah, so he only saves the kids. He only, he only is able to save the kids... Um, Mama Guthrie is like, why did you do that? And Mr. Cap is like, because they were yours, and that's reason enough. And he's about to kill her when Pete the Sheriff gets his somewhat redeeming moment where he climbs on the mech suit and shoots 
shoots Mr. Capulet in the face, but not before Mr. Capulet can also kill him. Yeah. So they both die. He Well, he falls on the ground and looks up at Mama Guthrie and goes, will you go out with me now? And then dies. <laughs> and then dies. I was like, as you said, still said, it's like, no. No. <laughs> you're Girl, still a it. piece of shit. You're you so... fucking try. You just have these guys kill my fucking husband. You're yeah. still, you're still, well, that husband. boyfriend. You're still no, but she's, uh, the cab cabins did kill her. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no. So you're right. you killed my old my old husband and my future husband. So yeah. fuck you. Yeah. There you go. So the other mech suits who run away after their dad dies. Oh, the other mech suits were like the other Capulet brothers yeah. who we don't know. They don't matter. Who cares? Um, they run to Wolverine and Polaris. Polaris, who's using her cape to cover up, in case you had any be like, oh, they're you know blowing her costume for TNA reasons. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. They blew it up for apparent. They just blew it up for the, no the one reason, realism in this story is that her costume blows up when it gets hit with the missile. That, uh, she doesn't get injured at all, but her costume blows up. That's realistic. There, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry for pointing that out. Great costume. Good I, job, just, the thing is, though, that raises slight raises a valid point that we see this a lot that women's costumes get blown apart and yeah. men's costumes for TNA reasons. For TNA reasons, yeah. Because there's no TNA reason, it raises the question: Why do it at all? Yeah. Why not just have her costume? I, I guess for the joke of her not caring that her costume was blown up. But I don't, I don't get it. I of all the things on the story, this is the thing I can't accept. Yeah, yeah, my dedicated page to it at that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, Angel finally finds, after all this stuff has happened, Angel finally finds Josh. And Josh is heartbroken. And this he's like, is a cool scene. Josh is like, I can't get it, I, I can't seem to make it work, you know, I can't. And that's when uh, Angel realizes that he's trying to kill himself. He's stabbing himself in the chest. And he's like, I, I keep healing. Yeah. And he's like, please help me, I can't live without her. And he is just emotionally distraught that Juliet has. I almost called. I did call her Juliet. Yeah. Uh, Juliet has drowned herself. Um, That's a really cool concept. Yeah. That was of interesting. like because he has a healing factor, he can't fulfill the Romeo and Juliet archetype, and he has to go on like living. Juliet from Heaven basically narrates out this story. Um, she talks about drowning. Um, and how she wants Josh to someday move on. Um, you're see the emotional wreckage of this story. Paige and um, Angel have a nice moment where they hug each other as um, Mama Guthrie looks on crying but happy that you know her daughter's you know I guess found love. Um, and this someone someone finds love and not death in this story. Um, and Josh sings a song, a new song about Julia entitled. Um, she lies with it. May she uh, ever lie with with angels. I actually do really like the art of this final scene yeah. of like him singing in like really dark shadows yeah. and like I actually think that lonely the, on stage. Yeah. Now yeah. that I think about it, when you said the finale, I thought you meant the whole finale. No, not, not the, the fucking mech fight. I mean yeah, like the, the last the couple fight. pages are pretty. Are really, I love the mech fight. Like oh, bam, bam, Honestly, robot, robot. The last fight. couple pages are easily the best pages of the whole story. Yeah. So okay. Final well, judgment. Final judgments. Um. Definitely not the worst thing I think we've ever reviewed, but it's so wildly inconsistent. Yeah. And it, the dialogue is so over the top yeah. and so cheesy and so not... Like, I understand what he's going for. He definitely wants to do a modern Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. But I think but he misses falls, the whole point of Romeo and Juliet. He does, and it falls so short. And I, I'm not sure Romeo and Juliet ever needed mech suits. Well... That's debatable. <laughs> uh, this just shows how shitty Romeo and Juliet without the greatest Shakespeare character, Mercutio. <laughs> and this whole, this, I think, eight, uh, Angel and Husk is a, stops being a thing after this run. Oh my god, um, thank god. 
Yeah. That was such a bad romance. Oh, it's fine. Uh, Husk gets a much better romance than Wolverine in the X-Men. Oh, it's so good. She gets she gets the best romance ever. But uh, I just think I think that I don't know who would want to who would enjoy the story. It's not so bad. It's good. It's just like kind of boring. That's what that's how I feel. Like I would I would have been mad about the story. But at the ending, when they had the uh, Shilai's of Angels, when they had uh, uh, Icarus, it didn't earn the feelings I got. But it did. It delivered scenes well enough that I got some feelings yeah. from that. So yeah. I, overall, I, I I can't hate the story because it did. You, you do see that Chuck Austin is a somewhat competent writer in these final scenes, and in, and some of the other scenes as well. Yeah. yeah. So I can't get mad at like like Cry for Justice, which delivered none of its impactful yeah. scenes correctly. Yeah. But it's but like that makes it not so bad as good and not so bad. It's uh, you have to read it just because it's so terrible to read. Um, I I put it in the trouble category because I I do think of it. It's like a bad movie that if you want if you want something you can kind of like laugh at how cheesy the dialogue is and how over the top it is. I certainly think you can do that. The scene where Warren and uh, Paige you know fuck in the sky, like like there are a lot of there are moments you can laugh at. If in this the story. was three issues, I would totally agree. Five, it's a little too long for that. For yeah. Me. Okay. Not not that you can't have a bad five issue story, but yeah. this one has too much padding for me. Okay. No, that's fair. But it's just like another thing, and I I think I mentioned this before, and when we talked about like um, the rise and fall of Roy Harper stuff, um, like you know there are some great character moments in this, but if you want. Like there, you don't need to read this for those because yeah. there are great character moments with these characters and so many other books. Yeah, you can get you, much you can better husks somewhere else. Exactly, you get much better. Even in Chuck Austin's run, you can get better husk and like yeah. Angel elsewhere. Um, so I'd say you could you could definitely skip this. Yeah, I agree. So up next, we got letters from listeners. Let's do it. We got two. We have two. What? One from Twitter. Okay. And one from our email. Uh, the first, if you want to tweet at us, it's at Divisive Issues. You should follow us. And the email is divisiveissues at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash divisiveissues. And uh, the first one is a question from Sean. Hey, Sean. <laughs> Who do you feel is the most misrepresented character in the movie TV adaptations of comics? It might not necessarily be a bad misrepresentation. It could be characters that didn't get enough time in the comics to be flushed out because they were killed too early and then got a fair share in an adaptation. I'll go first. Okay. All right, so one character I feel is largely misrepresented, uh, in a good way, honestly, is uh, Professor X. Professor X in the comics, basically in the 60s when he was created, was created to be a very authoritarian very cold figure. Basically, he's just there to be the leader, and that, that's it. And as the, as the books went on, they tried to. They felt like he was restricting the team too much by by being such a powerhouse, by being such uh, a, a such such a strong character for telepathic power. So they often tried to keep justifying that the X Men don't need him anymore. So they, they made Professor X even more of a dick by having him impose himself on a team. Professor Xavier is a jerk. According to Kitty Pryde. Yeah. Uh, but in the movies and TV shows, and I love this, and I'm glad they do this, they've consistently made Professor X into the father figure of the X-Men. And I think that is much a much better portrayal of the character. And I actually wish the comics would do that instead, because I actually love the concept of Professor X. I love the concept of a character who has a great mind, but a weak body, who... Um, who is the opposite of Magneto? I don't think he should be a character you push to the side and try to make irrelevant. I think he should be a character that should be a father figure if he's X Men. Yeah, slides brings a very interesting point because as soon as you said that, I'm like, wait, but he is that. And then I realized all the runs where he is that, 
And then I realized all that is post-movie. Yeah. Like, like there was a little bit of that in, like, the Claremont burn, like stuff and a little bit after that but like you're absolutely right a lot of that characterization comes from the movie for a bad option uh the most obvious one for me is weapon x deadpool which thankfully oh, was God. fixed with the deadpool movie deadpool joe like, hasn't seen it yet, no spoilers but uh yeah but weapon so x deadpool good. is pretty much i guess kind of omega red and kind of and they just called him deadpool yeah i guess so i actually Two are related, because they're mm-hmm. technically in the same movie, even though the good adaptation isn't from the same movie. I'm going to go kind of older, from the from the 90s. My example of a bad one is Bane in Batman and Robin. <sighs> Bane good, is yeah. like the anti-Batman. He's really, really smart. He has like these big master plans, and... He's really he's just he's a great character, and in the movie he was a mindless stooge who just yelled Bane all the time. <laughs> and my good is from right around kind of the same time is the Batman animated series adaptation of Mister Freeze, who didn't really have a backstory, was kind of just a guy with an ice gun, and the cartoon went out of their way to give him a tragic backstory with his wife and a full motivation that the comics immediately adapted because it's so much better than him just being a silly guy with a gun who shoots cold stuff. And uh, that's my good and bad. I'd love to give this more thought, but I'm going to go with my two gut. Uh, For good adaptations, uh, Apocalypse from the 1990s X-Men cartoon. I really don't think he's ever been portrayed better anywhere. And I think a lot of the characters that appear in the cartoon, if you want great adaptation of those characters, I think the 90s X-Men cartoon is the place to go. There's none of the strongest shall survive stuff. His Darwinism doesn't come into play. It's just he is a straight-up villain who's like, I want to dominate the globe and I want to live through all of time. And I think that's... It, He's very simple, and he doesn't get weighed down by any of the ideology. The big, high concept. Yeah, that stuff. I think like gets beaten over the head with him every time he shows up. Um, so I think, well, it's I think it's a great adaptation, but it's also a misrepresentation of how the character is in the comics. Cool. What about a bad one? Uh, Juggernaut from X Men Three: The Last okay. Stand, um, where there is nothing of Kane Marco in the movie. Not that it's. That's like the worst thing that it could be. Um, as soon as I saw the costume, I was like, this is not going to be what I wanted. And I lowered my expectations drastically. So I enjoyed him in the movie, but you know, there, there's no magic power. There's no yeah. relationship to Professor Xavier. He is just... He's almost like Bane in that regard, where he's yeah, kind of just... Yeah, but Bane at least comes from the place where Bane comes from, though. Yeah, okay. Does he come from the same country? Or they mentioned that? Yeah, I don't remember. I think my they, Batman and Robin lore yeah. is not up to. Plot. I could be wrong, but there is nothing of comic Juggernaut in yeah X Men Three: The Last Stand Juggernaut, which is probably why I enjoyed it as much as I did because oh, there's nothing. Yeah, you know, it's like they it's like they tried and failed. Gotcha. It was like they just didn't you know, they just made him different, and I'm like that's fine. Cool. So the other uh, the other question is from Twitter. Okay. From at Americanary Tom, common spelling. <laughs> hey, I heard you guys talking about Daredevil and have been wanting to read him. Is Guardian Devil good? I'll start with that. No, 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 no. Don't read that book. I hate that book so much. I hate it so much that after we got this question, I told Joe and Sly that we have to do this next episode. <laughs> It is a worthy uh, subject for our next episode. It, I think I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. So I'm not going to get too far into it. It is Kevin Smith's Daredevil run, which was like a relaunch of the character. 
Don't start with that. Start with either Frank Miller's Man Without Fear, Daredevil Yellow, or the first volume of Bendis' Daredevil. Don't read Guardian Devil, please. I hate that book. We will get into that next week. <laughs> okay, so, now, recommendations. Funny enough, this was a book I recommended in like a demo episode that we haven't released. Um, Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men. Um, if you want more Paige, um, and you want to see Paige, I think in a in a good... I think the book is great, but if you want to see her in like a nice setting... It's not like a page book, but this is it's the only other time I've read page. She's great in Generation X. Uh you you get you get uh some characters you see in this run, you see Wolverine, you, you see, see Angel. You see Angel. You know, it has characters that you'd be familiar with if like you did read this and you're like, I wanna see them elsewhere. Yeah. Um Ryan's, a better book. Right yeah. Ryan's Generation X, so if you wanna read Page is probably the place to go. Yeah. But I can't name a story that she shows up in after Chuck Austin's run. Unfortunately. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, and that time gap between the end of this run and the start of Wolverine and the X Men. A lot of the younger X Men a lot of times they have like one big run and then they kind of fade out of existence. Yeah. So what about you, Sly? Uh so my recommendation is gonna be an odd oddball, but um I can't just get it out of my mind reading the story. Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. <laughs> no, uh, there's, a mo- there's a movie I love from 2000, I think it was from two years ago, maybe one year ago, I forget how long ago. John Wick. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I recommend John Wick, but for, in <laughs> regards to this story, I recommend a movie called Blue Ruin. What is it called? Blue Ruin. Okay. Blue Ruin is about, kind of a, it's kind of a similar main subject matter of two families kind of at war. The movie opens up with the parents of the main characters of the main character are both dead and the guy who murdered them gets out of prison so the main character goes to get revenge. And basically the, the movie it's very, it's very 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 similar tone because they're both it's very southern. The, the main villains are very much assholes like this but the movie is way better than this because it actually goes into how violence perpetuates violence because the main character by going after them basically sets him off, off, off against the rest of his family. And basically, even though the main villains are assholes, just like these villains are, there's a lot less black and white because the main character basically perpetuates a cycle of violence. And the movie is basically just like how we we start these fights and they keep going on and we forget why we started them. And that's what happens in this story. They get mentioned like, that they don't remember why the Cabots and Goofies hate each other. But that's, instead of being just a dumb backdrop, like in this story, it's the main theme of the movie that that you just keep fighting and keep fighting, and if you never let it go, it just keeps this hatred keeps growing and growing. And it's a very beautiful movie, and I recommend that's it very awesome. much. I want to recommend something that's not super related, mm-hmm. but well, I mean, it's, it's another X Men book. But when I was reading it, I was just trying to think of another action heavy X Men book that did romance way better, and I kept thinking of Joss Whedon's Astonishing X Men. Because it's not a heavy romance book at all, but there is a romance plot in the background that I find adorable. And I just think, whenever I read a bad X-Men book, I'm like, I wish I was reading Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men. Because it's really one of the best books there is. I will be surprised if we go another handful of episodes without someone else recommending Whedon's Astonishing. I think we're all really big fans. So I would just recommend that instead of Chuck Austin. No, I agree. I mean, it's a good run, but I feel like it's a step below Chuck Austin's now. So... Suck it, Ryan. God damn it. <laughs> Joe does not speak for his podcast. Um, I speak as the better half, or I mean the better third of Divisive no, you Issues. You are a whole half, and yeah. we are a quarter each. Yeah. It's the better half of Divisive Issues. Yeah. I, I, Chuck Austin's run is great. Um, if you want more Chuck Austin's run, you guys should email and tweet at us. 
Um, let us know. Let us know your demand for a Chuck Austin X-Men, and I will gladly give it to you. So, uh, just a reminder, I know I said it a million times, but follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and we're on iTunes. Rate and review us. It's the best way to get new listeners to find us. So, And you can also follow us on SoundCloud. But iTunes rate and review is the best way to help us out. And that's pretty much it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've been Ryan Lynch. I've been Sly Crabble. And I'm Joe Ciano. Let's have sex in the sky and stay in continuity. Oh, 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 oh.